Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Hi, it's me, Cindy Adams. The incredibly charming, modest, unbelievably brilliant same Cindy Adams, Madam Adams, who harangues you in my column four days every week, Monday through Thursday, in the God Bless Us New York Post. And I've been there forever. I mean, I can't even remember when I began back in the, in the year who knows, before there were calendars, just sundials. And now I'm also here on WABC every Sunday, one day to 2 p.m. Okay, okay, now we did all that. So listen, who knows why? But I maybe, maybe I felt lonely or whatever. I was in the mood to do research this week, and I learned lots. Like, in England in the 1400s, there was a law. I mean, if you can believe this, a man back then was actually allowed in those days to hit his wife. But, and here is the but, if with a stick, that stick could be no thicker than his thumb. Hence, in the English language we have, and here's the phrase, the rule of thumb. Now, if it weren't for me, would you have known that? I have other things like this. Scotland years ago, invented a new game. It was ruled, gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. I say it again. Gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. That was G-O-L-F. Thus came the word and the game golf. Here's another you probably didn't know. In a deck of playing cards, each king represents a great one from history, like spades, King David, hearts, Charlemagne, clubs, Alexander the Great, diamonds, Julius Caesar. So if in gin you end up on a schneid, you should remember that and thank me. I have taught you all of that. More, more. This is what I did all week. Back in Shakespeare's time, mattresses were secured by ropes. If you pull those ropes, the mattress tightened. Thus, the bed got firmer. Hence the phrase, good night, sleep tight. I mean, where, what would you do if I didn't give you all these things? Babylon, go back Babylon, 4,000 years ago. For a month after a wedding the bride's father would supply his son-in-law with mead, M-E-A-D. Mead was a honey beer. Being their calendar was lunar-based, this period was called the honey month, known today as the honeymoon. So much stuff happened back in the old country, in England. In old English pubs, ale was ordered by pints and quarts. Bartenders would yell at unruly customers, Settle down. Mind your pints and quarts. It's where comes our phrase, Mind your P's and Q's. Pub frequenters back then also had a whistle that was baked into the handle of their, of their ceramic cups. You need a refill? Wet your whistle was inspired by this practice. How about some grammar? What word becomes shorter after adding two letters to it? The word short gets shorter if you add the two letters. Okay? Listen. Without me, where would you learn all this? I'm, I'm telling you the truth. You really need me for this. Name two pronouns. 
The answer is, who, me? Teaching English, there is spelled T-H-E-R-E. There is also spelled T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. There is also spelled T-H-E-I-R. How about this one? What is the difference between a cat and a comma? One has claws at the end of its paws. The other, a pause at the end of a clause. I mean, is that not great? I did this all week. And some political poetry. Candidate Dumpty sat in a hall. Candidate Dumpty had a great fall. All the dem horses and all the dem bosses couldn't put Biden together again. That's one little poem that did not start in the old country. Okay, I'm over this stuff. Now, a little story. I was staying in Costa Rica with its previous first lady. Just before our pandemic, I flew home. I arrived at the New Jersey airport. Unknowingly, this previous first lady had put a banana in my carry bag. And she did that because I'd had no time for breakfast. I didn't know that I had this stupid banana. I arrive in the U.S. Dogs started sniffing. Guards recognized me and came back and then made me tumble out everything, lipstick, socks, until they reclaimed this one lousy bag that had four fresh avocados in it. It actually had one mushy banana also. But right now, right at just at this minute as we speak, during our COVID, a friend came back from Puerto Rico. Nobody knew him. Nobody checked him. He wasn't famous. Nobody bothered him. He came back with four fresh avocados. Nobody cared. Nobody repossessed them. Nobody told him to have a good day. Nobody did nothing. No dogs, no security agents, nothing. He just walked into the United States of America from a foreign country. And this airport is checking international arrivals at a time telling us to have a good day when we're all into vaccinations being checked, masks being on, and protecting our country and coming in from far off places and nobody is asking about masks or vaccinations and we're coming from far off and this is the entrance to the United States of America. Okay, by the way, another subject. Thank you for your fan letters. I've been on now for a year on WABC, and I've received many of your letters, and I've been reading them all, and thank you. Of my just-received batch of fan letters, a fellow named John writes, it was not so flattering. Quote, he said to me, your political views kissing the ass of the monster who lost that election ought to be shared by everyone, by people especially, who feed you and take you to the toilet, end quote. This, of course, was written in pencil, and that was one of my good letters. Then there's a person named Sanders who loves me, however, and he writes how, through me, a good time is had by all. For him, I was grateful. A Ruth from Princeton said, I must write and tell you, thanks for making me laugh, making me cry, and I just marvel how you're able to keep me captive for so many years. Well, that was good, too. Then, enclosing a clip of Mrs. Biden in tights, a lady named Joan from Long Island's Queens Village writes me, you are disrespectful. Your talk in your newspaper and your article and you on the air 
speaking about Prince Harry once wearing short socks on TV. That's stupid. You're picky. However, I still glance at your sometimes rancid articles and anyway, and I often listen to you on, on the air. Rancid? Well, they didn't like me, but they read me and they listen to me. Then there was Anita from the Bronx. She says, I appreciate your column for the humor. You hand me a laugh or three with every column. Thanks. Marsha from Sunnyside. I love what you say. I love listening to you. I look forward to hearing you. And when you are off or away, it's not the same. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. I appreciate hearing from you. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, what you're going to hear from is I have to go off so you can get a station break. And right after that, I will be back with more brilliant, scintillating information. And thank you, kids. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. I'm back. My birthday's next week, so I was just thinking how it all began. Let me tell you my first experience meeting a celebrity. I was nothing. I was young. We're talking thousands of years ago. I was a teenager with such great titles as Miss Wallet, also Miss New Jersey, and in those days I'd never even been to New Jersey. Another of my 57 beauty titles was I became the Bagel Queen. I was actually crowned Miss Bagel by the Brooklyn Better Bagel Bakers Association. I still have photos of me in a shellacked bagel crown. Anyway, this is an early day story. They're taking photos of me at some event because I'm wearing my bagel crown. I'm in the ladies' room of this place, wherever it was. I didn't know any celebrity before. I'd never met a celebrity. I wouldn't have then known a celebrity if I fell over one back in those days. So I'm in a stall in the bathroom, a simple, plain bathroom stall. In those days, there was a big star by the name of Tallulah Bankhead. She is in the next stall. I didn't know what a Tallulah Bankhead was. Back in those days, I wouldn't have known her from Wolf Blitzer. Suddenly, she realized her John had no toilet paper. Miss famous Tallulah Bankhead, who had this great, heavy, throaty voice, then knocked on our mutual wall to ask me, Miss, look in your purse and see if you have any Kleenex. What did I know from a fancy lady? I'm in my teens. I'm scared. So I, I scrabbled around in my handbag, found I, I had nothing, and I said, No, no, sorry, sorry, Miss Bankhead. I have none, n no Kleenex. There's silence for a moment. And then comes a knock on our mutual wall again. She says, little girl, little girl, in her thunderous voice like a big Broadway star. And I'm sort of a little scared at this point. And I said, y yes, Miss Bankhead, what, 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 what should I do? There is silence from within. Then there's the sound of a scuffling around and a snap opening and closing. And finally comes this magnificent voice saying to me, Well, do you have two fives for a ten? It's a, it's a true story. Another story. I guess I'm just in the mood to be telling some stories. I'm sort of feeling reminiscent. I'm in the mood. How about me interviewing Panama's then leader, General Manuel Antonio Noriega. I was already in those days, in my early days, at the New York Post, and all set up for me is this exclusive sit-down with Panama's General Manuel Antonio Noriega, who was then dominating all the headlines and eventually went to the can. He was then the leader of Panama. So 
The deal is made. I'm about to interview him. I fly into his country. I arrive late at night. It was pitch black at the airport after we touched down. All lights, including the airfield, once we landed, had been instantly shut off. All was black and silent. Every surrounding place was shut quiet. And without speaking to me, and I understand Spanish, soldiers with rifles instantly surrounded me and the cameraman with me. They took us and wordlessly stuffed us into a closed black car. Windows were darkened, locked, curtained. I was terrified until I finally reached the general. But here is the story, the one-shot story I want to tell you that I've never told. I then did many stories on the general. I got to know him. I went back and forth. I did many repeated stories and was there when he was on trial in the United States and Florida and taken to jail. So one day while he's in prison, his lawyer calls and says, the general wants to speak to you. He was in jail under the auspices of the War Department. You couldn't just dial him and get him on the phone. You couldn't call the warden for permission. You couldn't just dial Noriega 6 and get him on your cell. You had to go through his lawyers and then the War Department. So I had to just wait, although I was told he wanted to speak with me. First came word he'd call me at 2.20 on a Thursday. I'm at the phone waiting. No call. Next comes word two weeks later, since he didn't just have his own switchboard, a call would come 3.40. I'm waiting at the phone. No call. Finally, after a couple of anxious weeks, I'm told he'll definitely phone me Sunday at 5.05 p.m. I am now very nervous. Obviously, he has something important to relay. I'm sitting home, alone, anxious, nervous, nobody with me. I am actually sitting in my kitchen. My dog is lying on my lap. The phone rings, finally, finally, and I hear his voice. He says, Cindy, it is the general. I say, oh, honey, how are you? I'm so eager to hear from you. Talk to me. What's happening? And he says, Cindy, this is what I want to tell you. At this precise instant, my dog jumps off my lap, hits the button on the phone, and cuts off General Manuel Antonio Noriega. And I never, ever heard from him again. He passed on shortly afterwards. I got all these stories. And what good is my having them if I don't tell them? Another story. Do you remember Zsa Gabor, Eva Gabor, their mother, Jolie Gabor? Well, Zsa's mother was Jolie Gabor. And back in those early, early days, I was writing her life story. The Gabors, I learned from doing all my research, were Jewish. But Jolie told me, please, so what? In the book, you make us Catholics. I said, how can I make you a Catholic when you were Jewish? She said, so what? You make us Catholics. At that point, the sister, Eva Gabor, was then getting married again. Her wedding dress, she was wearing a low, low, low-cut gown since she wasn't exactly a novice at this, and it wasn't her first rodeo. The bridal gown featured a low, 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 low-cut bosom. Inside the bosom, there was nestled a gold chain with a cross the size of St. Peter's Church. I said to Jolie, but you're Jewish. She said, so what? You make us Catholics. The book is called Jolie. I don't know if anyone but me read it, but these are some of the stories. Let me, let me, while I'm on this, let me tell you a little bit more about the Gabors. Jolie Gabor had a house out in Palm Springs. She invited me there for the weekend. My own private little house on, on her territory. 
in it it was filled with orchids in it was a refrigerator nothing in the refrigerator but wine no food also no telephone so i couldn't make a call and run up a bill for her this was jolie so another thing jaja jaja worked in las vegas for five months my husband a comedian who is now gone his name was joey adams and he was president of all the actors he was working with her in las vegas we were there together for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and months Jaja began to carry a rose every single night when she came out on stage. What's the rose for? She says, well, darling, it comes from the head waiter. He and I are having a little bit of sex together, and he gives me, he gives me a rose. Okay, so she had the rose. Then one day, after she had been carrying this rose on stage for weeks, she comes on stage without the rose. So Joey, my husband, who was working on stage with her, said, What happened to the rose? She says, Phil, darling, he now wants to be seen with me in public. A head waiter. So she didn't mind sleeping with him, but she couldn't be seen with him in public. Anyway, my book on Jolie was not exactly a, a bestseller. I mean, it didn't come out like the Bible or anything. But that is what I wanted to tell you. And at the moment, I am about to give you a station break. And don't go away, because when I come back, I will be absolutely brilliant. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am now about to have a wonderful moment. I'm going to speak with Daniel Silva. Think fiction, think thrillers, international heists, spies. His central character is Gabriel Allon. Daniel Silva's been called the world's finest writer of international spy stories. He's always on bestseller list, The Cellist, The Order, The Heist, Portrait of an Unknown Woman. His wife and great editor is journalist Jamie Gangel. Okay, first, how, where, how does such an idea begin? <laughs> um, I, I think that for the most part, my books start as a, I'd like to write a book about this. And I build them um, rather like um, the way paintings are built, sort of one brush stroke at a time, one layer at a time. Um, and then I, what I try to do is I try to get writing as quickly as possible. So if I can see about a, a quarter to a third of the novel, uh, then I, I try to get going. Because I've, I've always found it difficult to... to to bring a book to life on, on note cards or, or a legal pad or something like that. I need to, um, I, I write my books, and I'm, I'm not joking, I write them sentence by sentence. Each, each sentence informs the next sentence. Each scene in, informs the next scene. I, I uh, surprise myself constantly, and I want to leave myself room to surprise myself and room to change course, um, and, and that's certainly... Um, happened with the book I was working on uh, this year that's coming out in, in, a, in a few weeks in July. Um, so that's why I've, that I've, never, I've never really what been is able that to book? outline a book. That one is going to be, that's Portrait of an Unknown Woman. Um, and it is a story that's inspired by um, the 
terrible forgery scandals that have, have rocked the art world in the last 20 years. Of course, we had a big one in New York, yeah. the Nozer yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. scandal that, that um, um, uh, there's a fantastic documentary on Netflix about. Um, and in this novel, um, Gabriel, the, Gabriel's career as, as um, an active intelligence officer and chief of Israeli intelligence ended in the last novel. Um, this novel finds him settled in Venice with his wife and children, and he um, goes undercover, as it were, to to um, to help the French police um, find an art forger and an art forgery ring. Um, and it's, it's great fun. You've written about Catholicism, the Holy See, Judaism, Muslims, yeah. anti-Semitism, art forgery. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I understand how you do it. I I mean, I understand that you can do it. How do you collect such information? I know you sent the order to Cardinal Dolan, who always reads you, because he told no. me. So you, how do you get you this stuff? Yes. You sent the order. You sent the order. To well, who, you Dolan. had sent it also, but mine, mine is the one he read. <laughs> okay. How do you well, collect such information? I wish I could take a, a photograph for your listeners of my of my my primary office. I mean, it has a small collection part, portion of my library. I'm a, I'm a, a, uh, reporter read constantly. I am a reporter at heart and I'm, I'm reading and researching constantly. I do all my own research. Um, and you know, so what I often will, you know, pick a subject that, um, I know, enough about but i want to know more about and in that way i'm sort of a, a selfish writer and that i like to to use a book as an excuse to sort of master some some, uh, some subject matter and some material um and i think you know along the way i've i've collected you know three or four you know informal phds given the amount of research and writing that i've done on, on, on various topics um and it's it's a it's a great privilege to, to, that to, you know, to spend one's life reading. Uh, the reading life and is is I feel very lucky uh, that I have, um, you know, I fell into something that allows me to in, indulge my my passions for. Uh, okay, I know you art. have written about. I know you have written about Eastern Europe, about yeah. Russians and Ukrainians. Yeah. Why? them at that time and tell us about it we can't get enough of interest in it tell us <laughs> I, look i anyone who's familiar with my work on on russia i, I think it's fair to say that that i was way ahead of the curve on, on putin and putinism and what it represented and how disruptive it was going to be to the west um and and as 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 negative an opinion I had of, of Putin, and I, I feared that something was coming. I, I have to say, I, 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 I could never imagine that he would. Um, and I'm, I'm not using this word lightly. I mean, this is ethnic cleansing bordering on genocide. What's happening in Eastern Ukraine right yes, now? Yes, 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 and, yes. And, and, and to yes. think that we're in the the 22nd year of the 21st century. And seeing this kind of barbarism on this scale, and the, you know, all of the predictions now are, are settling in for a, a protracted conflict, where these um, two two sides are going to be going at each other militarily and, and um, for for months, if not years, to come. And, and to think that you know a, a portion of a country and a people are going to be wiped out, um, it's just, it's unimaginable. But, I, but, you but know, what did you find out the, about them? What did you find out about them that you knew that we don't? Um, I found out about him. I mean, very early. Um, um, I had just had a clear idea of, of what he represented. Um, and this is long before our government came to accept it. But, but it was, it was, in my opinion, it, Putinism is just fascism. Um, yes, and yes, and yes, in, yes. in any it, 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 all fascist governments at some point um, um, get into a conflict. That's just the way history has 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 gone, um, and it was just inevitable. 
that that we were going to come to some there, there were just too many authoritarian fascist governments in the world at one time in my opinion and i wrote about this in one of my novels that it was it was it was naive to think that we were going to um get through this this first half of this century without a major conflict um, it was like nazi and, and, germany and, and, he was the same yeah, thing. And, and, and it is if, if you listen to the language that he was using the excuses that he used to invade ukraine you know, protecting Russian um, uh, citizens or ethnic Russians. I mean, that is straight out of the Sudetenland and, and, and the Czechoslovakia crisis of 1938. It's, it's, just, it's just shocking how similar it is. Um, and, and, you know, a, 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 a provocation. I mean, not, a lot of people don't realize this, but the invasion with Poland started with a provocation uh, that the Nazi staged. Um, this is just straight out of... Hitler's playbook, and, and I, I, I'm afraid that what we are witnessing is the beginning of a sort of the rearrangement of, 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 the, of the global order into a, you know, sort of a handful of, of um, kind of ethnic religious blocks. I think that's where we're headed, and, and he sees himself as the leader of the Russian Orthodox Slavic bloc. I know, um, I know, and, and, I know. And, and he and he's going to try to get them all these countries under his thumb. When you're sitting down to write these yes. major books, which are heavy, and which are yeah. very wise, and go into a great deal of small, infinite knowledge, what yeah. is your schedule? What do you do? How long can you sit at a typewriter or a computer? Um, you know that I think it's something that I've, I've talked about with my wife as I've gotten older, um, I can actually work longer now. And I say I have fewer things that, um, you know, vie, vie for my time. So I can, I'm right now as I'm, I'm um, um, I am on deadline, believe it or not. Um, and, and I'm, I'm trying to get to my second draft of my novel submitted. I mean, I, I work eight to 10 hours a day when I need to. Um, and I can do 12 when, I, when I'm under the gun. Um, do, you, do you wear certain clothes? Do you eat certain foods? Do you have certain <laughs> I, hours? I wear, Everybody I is a little bit nuts clothes. when they're writing like this. I, I wear, this, uh, I wear the, a variation of the same stuff <laughs> every day, yes. And I eat the same food every day while I'm writing. Um, the, the <laughs> one thing, I mean, I've sort of dropped little clues about, if you look at Gabriel's work habits, you know, he's very, very persnickety about his workspace and people not touching his things and and that um and and that's that 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 describes me to a t and also you know i, I don't eat a lot when i'm working to be honest with you i sort of snack and nibble um but i i find it impossible to sort of eat a big meal and then continue writing um, nicky spillane uh, used to work in a dark room he needed yeah. only one small lamp on robin moore yeah. used to work with a ceaseless paper. In other words, it was overhead like an awning, and it kept uh -huh. the paper kept circulating like it like it was a, a, a rotunda. Uh, yeah. They all they all have, pardon the expression, wacko ways. <laughs> yeah, um, it, um, you know, yeah. I, I I have light. <laughs> I need a little bit of light. The one the one thing that I've always struggled with, and uh, and. I'm not ashamed to admit, but noise, you know. Um, and if you ever watch the the movie, you know how I shot my neighbor's dog. I mean, I get I get really upset with noise, and that's that's the one thing that I've always struggled with through my career. But no, I don't work in a dark room. I like I like to have a little bit of light. And my office is very very neat. It's not like your office. Um, I Excuse mean, my, me. My, oh, I well, you you have a lot of keepsakes and 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 cherished items in your my my I don't have that. I have my my desk space is really really neat and tidy um, and and not a lot of eye clutter. Good. Um, Maybe you can come and work for me two days a week. So <laughs> you got it. You got it. Do you ever do you ever go dry? Ever? No, no. I, I think that. Um, I think that um, most professional writers would, would say that. And I think that people have a um, misconception about writer's block. I think that 
that writer's block is that you know a more accurate description of it is that you know you're sort of writing all the time and you you just don't really like what you're writing. Um, <laughs> I thought that I thought that the, um, the Wonder Boys, the wonderful film with uh, Michael Douglas, um, based on the Michael Chabon novel, is a very accurate depiction of what writer's block really is. He's writing the, like a two thousand page single space novel, but he's blocked um, and, and he can't finish it. I think that's that's a is there any fraternity um, between you and Grisham and Baldacci, Patterson, Coben, Churro, uh, what? Um, you know, I have some fr- um, uh, most of my writer friends are actually nonfiction writers because of, of, of our connection to, to journalism like yours. Um, so I actually really know a, a small group of, 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 of fiction writers, but most of my People are my friends, very close friends are all writing nonfiction. Okay, I'm talking to Daniel Silva, and I'm going to ask a lousy question. Did you ever, ever, sure. ever, ever get anything wrong? Sure. I mean, little oh. things, little things. Yeah, it's very annoying when I make a mistake. <laughs> um, and then I, I um, it just drives me crazy um, because I've, um, even, even typos, I mean, um, you know, Jamie helps me line edit. We read the book aloud two or three times um, to, to make sure we catch everything and that there's sort of no false notes in it. And then I, I actually hire two private editors, uh, copy editors, to make sure we catch everything. And every time there's a typo or a little bit of mis- mistake I made, I really, I really get down about it because I, I invest a lot of time trying to get it right. Daniel, do you read others' books? The other you know, guys? I read... I, I read mainly um, it's the great dead as as what I um, how I refer to them sort of the people that I t- take my inspiration from I guard my voice very very jealously and carefully um, and so I, I actually do not read um, a ton of of contemporary fiction when I do um, I really read literary fiction, um, and I've said this before. I'm, I'm sort of a literary novelist masquerading as a as a as a thriller writer, um, commercial novelist. I, 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 when I when I have a chance to read, I, I try to read um, something um, that's that's more literary. Okay, here's one question. Tell me, what about when it comes uh, becomes a movie? How do you feel when it becomes a movie? Do they trash it a little? Do they change it a little? Uh, I've I've not been able to get one to completion. I've tried. Um, I guess I've had about three or four movie deals, one television deal, and for for one reason or another, um, just haven't been able to get it across the finish line. So right now, uh, I actually control. The, the film and television rights uh, for the Gabriel Alon series, and nothing is is under. I mean, I have some offers on the table. I have some people who who want to do it, but right now, nothing is under development, and I control the rights. I thank you because I know you schlepped out of your cave just long enough to speak with me, and you're going back again. When do I get I'm your new book? In. When do I get the new book? Um, House and galleys to you. Um, gosh, my schedule late. I should have some by late May, early June. I look forward to it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on, and I love your books. Thank you for having me. What a treat. What a treat. Thank you so much Thank you, sweetheart. Call me when you're coming here. Okay. Okay. Bye, honey. Take care. The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Enough already with the pandemic. Enough already with staying home. All I get are phone calls. I don't see people. I get questions. I get topics of conversation. They all ask, did you get it? How was it? How did it feel? In the old days, that meant sex. Now it means vaccine. Forget passion. Forget even fashion. My dry cleaner thinks I've either retired or joined a nudist colony. Nothing has been sent to him since two blouses two years ago. And social life? I don't know about you who are listening, but mine has been limited to one friend who has antibodies. She comes over. She's been over twice. Enough already with playing Monopoly, and how many times can I play Scrabble? Each part of me has now widened. 
I don't know about you out there. It's enough already with staying home and not going anywhere. My hips, upper arms, calves, body parts I've never even seen have become thicker and tireder. Skirts and pants suddenly need elastic rubber band waists. Everyone tells me, oh, you're the same. It's because you're no longer going out and doing things. You're not exercising. Really? Exercising? Like maybe in the old days, I jogged five and a half miles a day. I loaded bricks. I chopped trees. Me, walking into a car, parked at the curb, sitting at an interview, typing notes, was exercising. So what are they talking about? I'm just sitting here at my desk or on the radio and getting fatter. I have been stuck so long at home that even my Yorkie is tired of me. Shove Alpo. He's getting so he likes Chinese takeout. And forget your appearance. Fauci looks better. Who gets to the beauty salon or any place? My warm brown hair now starts six inches from the snow-white follicle. Toenails have reached cho <laughs> chopstick proportions. Hands? The plumber's looks better. I personally glued on a fake middle nail, which popped off during the one dinner I had out. Listen, I don't know who you're married to or what kind of people are listening, but females need help. In order to survive, they need facials, hair tints, manicures, pedicures, exercise, diet foods, tweezing. And the older you get, the more appointments you need. Dressmaker, shoe repair, eyebrows shaped, teeth cleaned, handbag fix, the handle went off, seams taken out, jewelry fix, sweaters stretched. Time to fight with the contractor who didn't show up like he promised. The light doesn't work. Books are returned. Please, I have taken to rereading Tom Sawyer. I have been so busy repairing myself. I have had no time to make a living. And all of this was to help me retain that natural look. Considering, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, and if you ever repeat it back to me, I will deny it, but considering my hair pieces are now older than my head, I am not standing in front of a bookcase like everyone else and doing Zoom. Take a look. They are all doing it in front of a bookcase. They have cheapo books, usually paperbacks, but they are all sitting in front of a junky, crappy bookcase, which is only f fixed up with paint. Not elegant, nothing. On tight shots, people's nostrils are looming large enough for a Hummer to drive through. I am not doing Zoom. My face stopped doing close-ups when radio came in. This is getting difficult for people like me who are stuck home without appointments or places to go and things to do. Time begins to run into itself. A friend said to me, I'll see you Sunday. I said, okay, but this is Sunday. It reminds me of a very old story, but it just reminded me of it, and I'm going to tell you. It was told to me in 1989 by now-gone Jessica Tandy. You may not know her, but with her late husband, Hume Cronin, they starred on stage and in films. <laughs> it's a great story. Jessica was then in London. She was doing back-to-back -back interviews for her then-big-time movie, Driving Miss Daisy. It was the number one film of the year. She is staying in a classy hotel. 1 a.m., she gets up, out of bed. Being alone, she wasn't outfitted like Cardi B. Think old raggy see-through schmatas, a nightie. 
A light is on. It happens to be her night light, she thinks. She follows this light. Go, no, turns out to be the in-house emergency light that leads to the front door. Jessica opens this door, thinking it led to the john. It didn't, and it slammed shut behind her. And Jessica Tandy, age eight, 80 or plus, is out in the hallway, alone. It is 1 a.m. We are talking she is inside a diaphanous nightgown, which in itself is not exactly fabulous, and where everything is hanging out. She was then quite senior. So trust me, when an octogenarian's parts hang out, it's exactly what they do. They hang out. So, Jessica Tandy, star of the season's big number one hotshot film, Driving Miss Daisy, with Morgan Freeman and Dan Aykroyd, then had to summon a stunned elevator man to get her a key, to go somewhere where they had a key. She had to stand in the hall by herself, press a button, and press an elevator key. In line with everything else, she finally got back to the air they found a key, they unlocked her, they brought her inside, and they shut her in and shut her up. And now I am back for one more second to the pandemic. Listen, because people are moving, they're all changing their houses. They're going to Florida, which is the the, the the last stroke you can have anywhere before you leave us altogether. Sanitation employee named Nelson Molina was cleaning out two floors of a 20,000-square-foot garbage garage here in New York. He found it was stuck with treasures. The, the treasures were on 96th Street and 110th Street in two different places. So on his Fifth Avenue route, he found discarded posters, vintage electronics, art memorabilia, old lamps. Some was even high-class stuff. And what did he do with it? He said, I have to give it away. If somebody can use it, you don't throw it away, you put it away. Me marooned over Two years, my left hand now boasts only one long, solitary, remaining middle nail. The one nail juts out like a spear. I am at the stage where I can harpoon dinner. One shut-in who was lonely and divorced told me, no matter how great the guy is, you cannot have sex six feet apart. So I said, shorten the distance. Her problem, she says, how do you throw out a vibrator so the trash man doesn't see it? One guy tired of Monopoly with his kids was an exec who manufactures industrial machines. He found his light on washing clothes. After throwing blue shirts in with white ones, he now has multicolored polo tees. One lady says, I cannot do any more jigsaw puzzles. Another medicated her dog because whatever she was smoking in a quiet room with the door closed, her poor collie fell over like a scarf. All I am now telling you is one quick thing, and then I'm off. You may disagree with me. Many do. My editors barely agree with me. But this is my space. 
So to concur or not to concur, that is the question. Here's the answer about the Oscars. Let the Oscars stop self-flagellating already. Today is a universe of agitation. Eastern Europe, Washington, D.C., floods, fires, hurricanes, earthquakes. Hunter Biden? No patriotism, no respect, no toilet paper. We are in a difficult spot. Being human beings, not dumbass Academy Award execs, we know Will Smith has to live with his stupidity forever because he is becoming a forever card-carrying dumb ass. It's enough already. So what? Haven't we all done some hideously stupid, awful thing we're ashamed of that we regret and we can never take back? Forget it. Chris Rock's cheek is healed and his A1 career is zooming higher than Blue Origin. The Oscars have had four F-jerks before. Sasheen Littlefeather accepted Brando's Oscar. She was an Injun. Travolta, not knowing the winner's name, David Niven on camera, as a naked guy ran by. Warren Beatty doing whatever the hell he did last year, and on and on. And now those insect brains are already having meetings about what to do on 2023. Besides more crappy films we didn't see and MCs we don't crave, they're demanding diversity, not great quality films, not even civilization's greatest actors, just more types, like maybe that gulliver of talent, Pete Davidson. Enough already. Enough. Enough. Look, Will Smith, an A1 actor, raised a fine family beautiful wife. Whatever his personal or marital difficulties, he has to live with them. We don't. TV viewers who now love the Academy Awards as heartily as they used to have had enough. And now I have had enough. I have also, by the way, which has nothing to do with what I'm saying, had enough of Biden's interpreter that sock-it-to-me-socky sweetie with the fake red hair. I hope she hears this, and I hope I have now finished, and I love you all. Now, a station break. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Okay, listen, it's coming spring, warm weather. Kindly know that if Bloomingdale's emails you to say your wife's teeny bikini arrived, and you know your wife weighs 162 and her bra is a hammock, your marriage is in trouble. Only in New York, kids. Only in New York. Listen to me every Sunday, one day, on Sunday, 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, even though I just stumbled. 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock. 